Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. That we just saw, it talks about different love languages and different ways that we um, just respond to love, but also in the ways that we would like it to be offered uh, to us, but also the ways that we have to be attentive to how people need to receive it. And so what we've been doing in this series called Becoming the One is that we made a decision through the scriptures that we were going to stop trying to choose the one and we would start becoming the one because that's actually what the scriptures teach us to do. That when we become who we're supposed to be, then it brings into our life the very things that God knows are going to be complementary to us and that are going to enable us to fulfill a greater purpose beyond what we could ever do on our own. Now, it's fine if we want to be alone, but if we want to be with someone, then the person that we are becoming is far more important than the person that we think we need to choose so that we can have the love that we want to have in our lives. The scriptures that I've chosen have been found in this book of Hosea, and it's usually a a passage that speaks about the brokenness of the relationship between God and his people. But I wanted to look at it from the standpoint of the actual brokenness of the relationship between Hosea and Gomer. And Hosea is the guy in the story, and Gomer is the girl in the story. And they were an unlikely match. And it was only because God had told Hosea to take Gomer as his wife that he actually does. But they're not suited for one another. And in a time in which people didn't choose who they were going to marry anyways, these things were always prearranged, it was okay for that story to begin that way. Because most people grew into loving one another in a pre-arranged marriage and not one that they felt the attraction and chemistry that you would imagine was necessary to make the match in the first place. And so it wasn't so much about them choosing, but it was definitely more about them becoming. And when we look at the scriptures themselves, sometimes these scriptures in Hosea can be a little troublesome, maybe difficult to understand because it's intertwined with the relationship between God and his people. And so we're sometimes trying to figure out, okay, is this about Hosea and Gomer or is this about God and his people who have basically turned away from him and have gone to other idols? Well, in Hosea chapter 6 and in verse 1, we're going to begin with this verse and it says, I want you to come and I want us to return to the Lord. And then Hosea says, he has torn us to pieces, but now... He is going to heal us. He has injured us, but now he will bandage our wounds. And what this passage, in essence, is telling us is that he has found that the punishment of God on them and on their relationship has been harsh. And and, and in that time, and even in our lives today, we we often see things happening to us Uh, as kind of being God who either does it, doesn't do it, or lets it happen. And and we don't see necessarily our our part in it. 
you know, or, 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 or how the path that we're on is, is also one that is not always meant to suffer, but when we do suffer, that God is using that suffering to bring us to a place of healing so that we can actually grow and be better than we've ever been before. And, and, and one of the confusing things about this story is that it's hard to find, like, good advice, you know, for love and, and having a healthy relationship. And, and it's no different than, than when we talk with people. Have you ever noticed that when you talk to trusted individuals and you ask them their opinion, you get such varying responses? Doesn't that, that, that frustrate you? You talk to one person and they give you one insight. You talk to another person and they tell you something else. And it's because most of the advice on love is, is actually caught up in how we are to find the Mr. or Mrs. right for us. That there's a perfect person out there. That there is a soulmate. That there is the one. And, and, it's, and it's wonderful when it happens. But it, but it doesn't always happen to everyone the way that we sometimes hear it when it's being told to us. And the person just tells us that they met in this most uh, uh, incredible way. And then all of a sudden, in that meeting, somehow, you know, they just knew. The moment they looked at each other, they just knew that they had been just living their entire lives, waiting for one another to finally meet on this specific day in this specific way. And that's why it's so much better if we understand becoming instead of choosing. Because when you build love, instead of wishing, wanting, and waiting for it to arrive fully, we can have something that is far deeper and far more meaningful. Most of us are waiting for something to arrive fully formed. And the truth is that we don't know enough about love. We need to be taught how to deal with the imperfections that a person comes with. We need to be taught how to handle the challenges that are going to be there in the day in and the day out as we face the journey of love together. See, God is saying, I want you to stop expecting love and I want you to start creating love. I want you to stop waiting for it, and I want you to start becoming it. I don't want you to look for it. I want you to live it. And when you make that shift, when you make that change, well, then you're going to create a love that grows every day. A love that is expanding, a love that is evolving rather than waiting for a love that will come to us fully realized and complete. Now, I want to talk to you about this well-known parable. It's a proverb, really, and maybe you've heard of it. It's the difference between a flower that is cut and a flower that is watered. And it exists in different cultures. And it's a powerful one. Because when you think of flowers that are cut, we think of flowers that we are attracted to because they're beautiful. We long for it. We want it. And we want it for 
our own. And so we go to this, this plant and we cut the flowers. And we enjoy it as we do. Because we want it so desperately, so badly, that we want to take them with us. So we can't take the ground in which they're in. So we just take the flowers. We cut them. We bring them home and we put them in a vase. And, and then we do this because this is the flower we cut. This is the flower that we can enjoy. This is the flower that we can look at. This is the flower that we can admire. But a cut flower, just like attraction, is going to eventually wither and die. A cut flower is also eventually discarded. It is no longer beautiful one day. And, and then when that day comes, it's taken and it's put in the trash. And so when this happens, surprisingly, this lust that we had for the cut flower, surprisingly, also turns into hate. And then... There are the flowers that you water. The flower that you water is an attraction that is developed into love. It requires care. It requires keeping a flower alive. It requires giving it sunlight and good soil and nutrients in that soil. It requires the watering as is required for that specific plant. And caring for a flower over time, doing your best, speaking to it, encouraging it to grow telling it how important it is and how beautiful it is and how it enlightens your life, how you give it constant and consistent attention, how you fully experience the beauty, the freshness, the color, the scent, and of course, those blooms, how you, you notice the delicate detail of each petal, how love is a daily habit. You see the difference between a flower that is cut and one instead that is cared for? And that's the difference in the love that God is often describing in his scriptures. You see, we know what it's like to be a flower that's been cut. We know what it's like to be stuck in a vase until we wilt. Until we wait for that person to take the next step, and the next step never happens. Until the next step just simply is us being discarded. You ever been there? We also know what it's like to hold out, to hold out for the pot filled with good soil that's given sunlight and water daily. We know the difference between those two things, and yet somehow we still often believe that although all the evidence is there that we've just been cut and put in a vase, we somehow still believe that we're the plant that's in potted soil, that it's getting the sunlight and the water that it needs to flourish. 
I think we've been deceived. I think we've been deceived into just accepting and settling for less and believing that if we let go of this, we're not going to get anything better. We've already invested so much and there's so much good there. Come on. You're just a cut flower in a vase. Wake up. That's not what God has created you to be. That's not what he wants you to be. Not the kind of love he wants you to have. But the kind of love he wants to give you and wants you to experience in your relationship. I know what's crazy is that this could happen in uh, relationships that haven't gone to marriage and, and, and relationships that have. This is not just, you know, a description of, of, of for people that are single. This is, this is the reality of a lot of people who are married today. And so we've got to understand the difference between these two things. Maybe you've done the cutting. Maybe you're the one who's been discarded or done the discarding. The truth is, is that we've all experienced our share of disappointments. Let me list some of them for you. And maybe this is going to resonate with you. You believed you were in love only to discover that you were actually lost. You thought it was love, only to discover that it was actually lust. You were certain it was love, but instead you had to find out that it was a lie. You expected your love to last, Instead, you lived instead to see it lose its luster. That happens when we're discouraged, when we're disappointed. And maybe that's where we're at today. That's exactly how we feel. And I think God wants to speak to you today. If this is you, if this describes your situation, your experience, something that you've been through, I want you to know that God is seeing your heart this morning. And he knew that you would hear these words today and that he would have something specific just for you. You see, you're, you've only experienced a love that is cut and not one that is watered. And God wants to change that. He wants to see that changed and transformed in your life. Now, something you may not know about me, but I actually like gardening. I like getting my hands dirty. I love doing that kind of stuff. And I didn't know I liked this, but, but I, I do. And, and one of the gifts that we got at Christmas was that someone gave us an um, amaryllis bud. And it's a beautiful flower, and it's a bud that you have to plant. And I'll show you what it looks like. If we could show the first picture of, of this amaryllis bud, that's what it looks like. It's a bud, and you've got to put it in a pot, and when you do, you put it in this earth um, that, you know, you've got to go out and get, and it's the right one for this type of plant. And, and when you do that, you have to wait that um, it just decides to just grow. So it takes somehow, just from the nutrients of the earth, without any water, because you're not supposed to water it, it, it just needs to be in the right soil. That's it. No water. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Me neither. And I was fascinated by this. I'm like, this thing's, how's it going to grow? I don't understand. And it's like, you can't give it direct sunlight because it's going to kill it. 
And you can't give it any water because if you do, it's going to die. It'll never, ever bloom. You just got to put it in the dirt. How many of you feel like you're just in dirt right now? Right? You're just in the dirt. And you're looking at your situation and you're like, I'm just in dirt. That's it. I got no sunlight. I got no water. I'm just in the dirt and I look like this. And if I don't look like this, I sure as anything that is certain feel like that. <laughs> now that's a plant that needs some serious moisturizer. <laughs> that's not pretty to look at, is it? It's an ugly bulb, isn't it? Just ugly. And, and, and in its ugliness, it needs to grow in an ugly environment. And sometimes when we're in an ugly environment, we sometimes think that there is nothing happening, but everything is happening in that ugliness. That we need to bloom into the flower that God already knows we are. You know, what's amazing about this plant is that all of a sudden, it just starts to, a little, little stalk starts to grow, and, and, it, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and before long, it's like almost like a foot and a half long. And, and that's, that's what it looked like. And then all of a sudden, it opened up, and it revealed four bulbs, like four of them. I was like super excited, because then it eventually looked like this. Can you imagine? From that ugly bulb, this? This is what happened. And what God is saying is that when you are in the right soil, when you are in the right place, when you are with the right one, you are going to become the one. You don't have to wait for it. God has created you to become it. Can you say amen to that? Oh, man, I'm tired of you waiting for someone. When God is saying, you already are. You're everything to me. You are all of it. And when you understand this, I honestly believe it with all of my heart. Two things are going to happen. God is going to bring people into your life. And the second is that Satan is going to do this guy same thing. And Satan's going to want you to basically meet the wrong person. And God is going to try to help you to hold out for the right one for you. And so we've got to be aware of that. There's going to be a battle that's going to ensue for your love, for your life. And God is going to want you to truly bloom. Now, you've only experienced a love that sometimes is cut that no one else watered. And so because of it, I want you to see if you're able to identify yourself in some of these phrases. You fear commitment or you keep choosing people who do. You set your standards so high that people, good people, never have a chance. That an ex is still on your mind 
and they're taking a prominent place in your heart. You keep falling for false promises and the unfulfillment that your partner brings. You keep experiencing defeat and hopelessness in your relationship. Your heart keeps getting broken over and over again. And you're wondering if there are any good people left in the world. That's you. It's because you've only experienced a love that has been cut and not one that's been watered. And I want you to know that what it does is that it just speaks to what's been happening to you. It's what has happened to you. It speaks to your understanding of love and, and, and how it has distorted your thinking towards it and your understanding of what is actually supposed to be happening, of who God is actually supposed to be in your life. And so I want you to think about that for a moment as I tell you another story. When I was a university student, I went to Rome to study theology, and when I went there, um, I went to a school that really believed that we were a community, learning in community, and as a result, we all had chores. And every morning we had to get up at about 6.45, and we had responsibilities up until 7.30 or so, and then we could go and have breakfast. But we had to take care of our own personal hygiene, and then um, we were assigned to some place in the school that we had to take care of. I was assigned to the second floor bathrooms. And it was the guys' dorm, so it was the guys' washrooms. And, and, and I, I don't know if you know about this, but, but guys are pigs. Does anybody know this? <laughs> when it comes to using a washroom? Yeah. Zero aim. Let's just talk about that. <laughs> One. And, and zero concern for the next person that has to come and use it. Like, just, that's just a reality. So I, I, I was doing these washrooms for, like, what seemed like forever. It was a life sentence, it felt like. And, and, I, and on a given Saturday, there were extra short chores that we had to do. And, and, and someone had said, okay, there's, there's some you know, work outdoors that needs to be done. And it was like a, a really rainy day, and it was, wasn't nice to be out there. And so nobody wanted to take it. I said, you know what, outside, I'll take that. I, I've been stuck with my head in urinals for too long from toilets and scrubbing, and that's it, I'm done. I, I need to get outside. I don't care if it's raining. And so I took the job, I went outside, and I just started to work in the garden. That was part of the job. And, and as I started to do that, I started to realize that, like, the time just passed. And, and, and I had cleaned up quite a considerable section. And all of a sudden, you know, we just went back to the regular routine. And then, you know, the dean of students came around and said, who, who did the work in the garden? I was like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. I probably pulled out stuff that was, like, alive and you know, save stuff that was dead and that should have been killed. I didn't know what I had done. And, and the, the, the guy said, you did an amazing job. Would you want to continue this? I'm like, yeah? Are you kidding? It's like, but you're going to have to do it every morning. No problem. Every day I get to do this and I don't have to do washrooms, sign me up. And so I just did it every day. And, and, and then he took me into his office and just said, I just want to commend you on the incredible job that you've been doing. Our gardens have never looked any better. I mean, you've gone over and above. You, you've done sections that we didn't even ask you to touch, but you just kept going. And it's like, it's like, I'm so glad that you had gardening experience because we've been waiting for a student like this for so long. And I said, like, I don't know, I'm sorry. Like, I just need to correct you there. I, I've never touched 
a plant in my life. He goes, but, but you've been pruning all the trees. I go, I just, you know, figured it out. I said, I, this looked dead, and this looked like it could still survive, and, and you know, this looked like, like it looked nice, so I kept it, and that looked really, like, not nice, so I got rid of it. I said, that's all I was doing. He's like, but how did you figure that out? I said, I don't know. I kind of just, like, winged it. And he was, like, shocked. He thought that I had had experience back in Canada as a gardener. And the truth is, I had had none. Now, sometimes we go looking for love in the exact same way. I'm going to say it like it is. Like, I think that we're out there trying to love people and be loved, trying to find love, and trying to understand love when we don't know what it is that we're even talking about. Like we've got no experience. And we think that by winging it and going along that we're somehow going to be able to lean on our experience or somebody else's experience or just figure it out as we go and that it's just going to automatically get better. And here's the truth. We need to be taught how to love because there's no one out there who teaches us how. And because there is no one out there who is teaching us to love, we have this really weird and messed up understanding of what love actually is. I, I want to ask you, do you know how we give love and how we receive love? Do you know how we manage our emotions in connection with someone else's? Do we know how to understand others and put ourselves aside and listen intently so that we get to know their heart? Do we know how to build and nurture a relationship so that both people can thrive? And I think that the answer to those questions are just resoundingly no. And it's okay. It's okay for now, but we can't stay there. Like, love is so essential. Relationships are so key. I, I don't understand why we stay in a place of ignorance. That we don't try to grow in this area and try to push ourselves to do this better instead of just moving on to the next person who's just going to break our heart. Or wait for them to just not be able to fulfill us. Instead of understanding how we need to go into a relationship already feeling fulfilled. Amen. You see, it's so different than what we may have understood from the past. You know, what's crazy about our English language is that we, we don't have a lot of words to describe love. But, you know, the ancient Greeks in the scriptures, they had seven different ways of describing it. There's seven ways that they spoke about love. And then there's some cultures that have as many as 15. And they break it down so that they have an understanding of the type of love that we're talking about. And here we are, you know, in the moment of attraction and infatuation, in the moment of sexual arousal and in chemistry, in the moment in which we just feel that we've got a connection, we sometimes already are talking about love. We have no idea what it is that we're experiencing. What's the emotion that we're really having in that moment? 
And so the Greeks talked about eros, a sexual and passionate love. They talked about phileia, which was a friendship love. They talked about storage, which was a familial love. They talked about agape, which was a universal God love. Ludus, which was a casual, non-committal type of love. Pragma, which was duty and interest. And philanteia, which was self-love. And each of these had a different way of just describing and explaining so that people knew exactly where they were in this spectrum of, of this emotion that we so often misinterpret and misunderstand. I'll give you an example of how we can misunderstand love. You know, examples of love that although love is all around us, it's usually expressed in a form that does not help us. And here's what I'm talking about. You know, because the truth is that some people are just winging it. Some are still looking for it. Some are ghosting you for it. Some are leading others on for it. Some still can't figure out how to make it work. Some are just settled in and stuck without it. Some are together, but not in love. Some are in love, but they're not good for each other. Some could never seem to stay in love. And some still don't know what true love is and how to show it. You see any truth in that? In the examples that we may have had? Now, maybe you were raised in a home where you had a, an incredible example of what a loving marriage and relationship is like. Maybe you had parents who, who loved each other. And then I'm like, I don't know, I didn't have that. <laughs> I was messed up when I, when I used to see my parents. And I, I couldn't understand my mom's commitment. I used to tell my mom, I used to wake up and say, Mom, are you still with this guy? Like, really? Why did you leave? And like she goes, like, I'm not gonna, never going to leave your husband. I'm never going to leave my husband. I'm never going to leave your father. I'm like, please leave him. Sometimes I'd have that conversation with her. I saw how much she was suffering. I saw how, 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 how he said he loved her, but he just mistreated her. I couldn't take it. My problem wasn't that my father didn't love me. My problem with my father was that he didn't know how to love my mother. Does that make sense? He was always loving me. He was proud of me. He would always like talk about me and just put me in roles and responsibilities and give me positions of authority at, at, at the youngest, most possible age. He believed in me so much, and I hated him for that because I, I couldn't stand the way he couldn't love my mother, the way that I knew she deserved to be. And I, I need you to understand this because sometimes when you don't have a good example of it, it just, it just messes you up. And, and, and when we look at getting advice, it's even worse. Can I just talk to you a bit about this for a moment? Because advice on love is this, is that everyone's got advice. And who's right? And, and, and whose advice do you actually follow? And I just want to give you some examples of that, okay? One is when people tell you, you know, love is all that you need. Have you heard that one before? Love is all that you need. And then the next person comes along and says, love isn't going to be enough. And then someone comes along and says, when you meet your soulmate, you'll know. And then someone else says, there's no such thing as a soulmate. 
Someone comes and they say, now don't worry, be patient, you can change them. And someone else will come and say, get out, you can't change them. Someone will come and they'll say, relationships should be easy. And someone else will come, relationships are supposed to be hard. What did you expect? Someone's going to come along and it says, it makes sense because, you know, opposites attract. And then someone's going to come along and says, forget it. Opposites attract. Look for someone that's just like you. Someone will come along and say, chemistry is everything. And then someone will say, don't count on chemistry because that doesn't last. For every advice there is out there on love, there is an opposite advice for it. Do you even notice that? It's kind of like government studies. It's kind of like health studies. Wine is good for you. No, it's giving you cancer. Chocolate is great for you. No, it's not. It's giving you cancer. Yeah. Broccoli is good for you. No, broccoli is trying to kill you. It gives you cancer. Have you noticed that? Everything gives you cancer and it's trying to kill you. Everybody's eating meat because anything that came from the ground is supposed to kill us because it's got so many carcinogens that you can't even digest that stuff. We're not supposed to because it doesn't want to be plucked. That's its only defense system. Why am I talking about this? I have no idea, but I just was going on a little bit of a rant there, frustrated with information, right? There's like, for, for everything that people are telling you one day, the next day it seems like that information was wrong. And it's like, this is going to give you long life. No, this is going to shorten your life incredibly. Don't do it. And then we wonder why we are so confused. And I, I, I want us to look at another verse in, in, in Hosea, in chapter 6, verse 4. And in Hosea 6 and in verse 4, it says, O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Asks the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist, look at this, and it disappears like dew in the sunlight. And it's talking about love and how quickly it's there and how quickly it's not. How quickly it comes and how quickly it disappears. And I don't want you to have a love that looks like that. I want you to have a love that lasts. I want you to understand what that is and what that looks like. And so we're going to talk about what the scriptures teach on this topic. And I, I want you to know that these are the four paths that make love bloom. And the first one is preparing for love. It's about learning to love yourself in solitude. Now, I want to make a distinction between solitude and loneliness because I need you to understand the difference. The difference is this. Solitude is about being alone with purpose. Solitude is about being alone with intention. Solitude is about working on yourself and knowing that you need this at this point and stage in your life because you're preparing for love. And the worst thing that you can do is move into something else when you know that you have yet to understand yourself, heal your pain, care for yourself. And so God is saying, I need you to understand that if you are going to be prepared for love, then you are going to have to learn how to express compassion and care 
to the lonely in your own solitude. That when you can do this in your solitude, when you can care, when you can show love, when you can be compassionate towards others, instead of wallowing in your own stuff, then you are ready for love. Because you have built empathy and patience through the most difficult time and period of your life. And as a result, you have been prepared for love. Can we say amen to that? The second path to love is called practicing it. Practicing it because you extend love to others while loving all along ourselves. And I'm, I'm telling you that we are dealing with a lot of brokenness and a shattered image of who we are truly. The only way that I understood who I was and who I continue to be is when I see myself through the eyes of Jesus and not through my own. Amen. See, the moment I start looking at myself through my own eyes or through the eyes of others, then the brokenness just comes back and it just leads me away from love and not towards it. But the moment I see myself through the eyes of Jesus, it restores me to an image that I know I've always had, but I've got to keep working on it and I've got to keep practicing love to be able to consistently experience it in my own life. And when, and when someone comes into your life and you know this person is broken and you know that they're manipulating you and you know that they're not even sure of why they're drawn to you or want to be in your circle or in your life or maybe even in your bed, you're going to have to make a decision in that moment that's going to tell you this is a person who is not prepared for love. This is a person who's not ready to practice love the way God wants me to practice it. This is a person here to distract me and to remove me from the blessing that God has in store for me. This is a person who's coming into my life to waste my life and not to enhance it. And so in Jesus' name, I rebuke this. I do not want this. I resist and I run from it because I know this is not of the Lord. See, when you're practicing love, you're able to practice it because you've been prepared for it. In the moments of solitude, you were able to do the work that makes you aware and gives you clarity in the moment that the opportunity to practice love shows up. In that moment, you are now able to see things and do things and experience things, but more importantly, to see things for what they truly are. God is giving you insight into dealing with their preferences. He's showing you what their personalities are really like. He's showing you if they really have values that you can share. He's revealing if you're going to be able to have the same goals, to walk on the same path, to have the same purpose, to have the success that you both need and desire in this life. See, when God brings you to a place of preparation, he also brings you to a place of practice. And he looks at you and he says, come on, be real. Do you really have alignment with this person? Are they really going to be able to walk with you in this life? Are you really going to be able to build something with them? Is the foundation going to be strong enough to withstand the storms when they come? Because they will. Are you going to be able to still love them even after they have shown you how there was a moment in their lapse of care and concern towards you that they showed you how they didn't love you. I want to talk to you about how the third path is 
called protecting love. You see, in the story in which we're in, Hosea was called to protect Gomer from herself. You know, he, she ended up getting pregnant three times, and, and the scriptures tell us that at least two of those times we're certain of they were not Hosea's. And yet God calls on Hosea to protect Gomer. He calls on him to go out and to do whatever he can to free her and to bring her back home and to keep doing it as often and it, it, it was necessary. He, he, was showing, he was showing Hosea, but he's also showing us what it looks like to protect love, what it looks like to offer a love that stands up to the change and to the challenges of this life. And so when we're with people, God is going to show us, is this a person that we can be committed to? Is this a person who stands up to change, who faces challenges, and is able to overcome them? You want to be with someone and love someone and be loved by someone who shows you these characteristics. You want someone who is not going to allow things to block your love. Someone who's going to identify what they are and is going to speak about them. And even if they don't have the most articulate way and maybe they don't have all the words in which to do it, and maybe they don't know how to address it exactly, and maybe what we're looking at is more at intention and less at tact. Because sometimes the tact just isn't there, right? But when we look at intention, we look at motivation, we see a person who's saying, I'm going to protect this love. And so I see that something is wrong. I see that you're distant. I see that you're not the same. I see that when you look at me, you look past me, through me. You're ignoring me. I see that we're not touching each other. We don't kiss our lips anymore. We don't touch our bodies. I see that there's things that are wrong. I want you to be with someone who's not going to allow love to be blocked. You see, when you see someone like that fighting and wanting more and, and not allowing things to be as they are, because we, there's a moment in which we all get tired, we, we just struggle, we just say, oh, what's the point, you know? I've said everything I could possibly say. I've, I've said it in so many ways. I've, I've given him attention. I've ignored him. I've, I've brought it up with her family. I've spoken to therapists about it with with and without them. And I'm just at that point where I'm just like, there's nothing more that I, that I can do. Really? You know, I, I know that God gives us permission to walk away. I know that. But I hate the way that we do it so quickly. That we do it so easily. Not everyone, but a lot of us. I hate the way that we move on and just, just feel like we can just turn the page because people are just, you know, cut flowers in the vase. It's just so wrong. And you know what? I, I know that God has already shown you that this person already thought this way and acted this way and revealed themselves to be this way long before you ever committed to them. But because you weren't prepared, 
because you didn't practice. There's nothing to protect your love now. It's not just about not having good examples. It's about not doing the work to be a good example. I I want us to just move past that, you know, and, 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 and understand what it looks like to forgive a person, really. Like, honestly, forgive and move past. And, and not just forgive and move past, but, but here's the third part that a lot of people just never attain. Heal. I, I've seen people forgive, and I've seen them move past, but I haven't seen them heal. They don't get to that third stage. And I tell you, there is no way you can protect your love if you haven't given God the opportunity to heal you. You are not strong enough to protect it. And you are not strong enough to protect yourself. How, how are you going to protect your love in a relationship? How are you going to do that? And, and, and so God wants us to understand that we must sacrifice. Truly sacrifice to find true love and to keep it. Do you believe that? Thank you for it, people. I love it. There may have been a fifth there. I'm not sure, but I clearly saw four. Here's the last point. You ready for the last point? Yeah, I know you've been ready probably for 20 minutes, but are you really ready for the last point? What do you think? I was going to come back all refreshed and not preach a good message? Come on. I did the work. I did the work. It wasn't all vacation. I had to do this. I want you to hear what it looks like to offer perfecting love. You want to hear it? Because it's not just about being prepared for it and practicing it and then protecting it, but it's about perfecting it. God says that there's the greatest of all loves is, 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 is a non-conditional type of love. It is loving without condition. And, and I, I know it's hard to do this, but have you ever practiced extending love to every moment and every person in your life? And just think about this. Extending love to every moment and every person in your life. Just offering love, non-conditionally. You know that Jesus remains today as the only person who has ever said and taught love your enemy. No one else has ever said that in the world and taught that like Jesus has. And I need you to understand that that difference in loving your enemy is all about Unconditional love. It's about loving every moment and every person in every circumstance of this life. And God is saying, my love is so perfect. In fact, when the Bible describes God, it says that God is love. That God is so perfect, listen to this, that God becomes the embodiment of that love in the person of Jesus so that when we say, I receive Jesus into my life, what that means is I receive God's love 
and I promise to be love in this world. Oh, man, some people just thought it was about salvation. No, no, no. If God is love, it's about allowing God to love us and then to reveal that love through us. And so the perfect love that God wants us to express is a love that is boundless, that it cannot be measured. The Bible describes it as something that is so wide and then so high and that it is so deep that it is actually boundless. And he says that nothing can separate us from that love. That love is so perfect that there is nothing that we can do that can ever get him to stop loving us. And he's saying, do you get this so that you understand it for yourself? See, offer a love that doesn't wait to be received first. Be love in the situation that you're in instead of waiting for it to come to you every time. Stop waiting for that person to reveal sacrifice before you show love. Show love even when it isn't received. Learn how to keep loving even as things change. Demonstrate and live that love that is rooted in obedience to who God is and the commitment that he has made to each and every one of us. Every day when I'm out there, I remember that God is love, and I got to show love in this situation. I got to be love in these circumstances. I have to be love in this moment. I don't want to show love. I don't want to be love in this moment. This, in this moment, I just want to be angry. You ever been there? Sometimes you just, you just want to be upset with the situation that you're in. You just, you, just want to, you just want to be angry at the person. You don't want to love them because you've, you've been disrespected by them. How can you show love in a moment when you haven't been shown love? God says, the love that you need doesn't come from you. It comes from me. It's going to come from me into you. It's going to flow from you into them. People will be changed by love more than they could ever be changed by your words and your anger, your frustration and your inability to maybe articulate the situation and express your feelings to the extent that you need to. You can speak love and that person can be broken by it, changed and transformed by it because it isn't your love, it's God's love that is working in you and through you. And God is putting you in a position to experience it like never before. And so let's... Stop choosing and start becoming. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.